Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com a word of warning, this podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may be unsuitable for our young listeners or other people who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high-profile and under-the-radar cases from across the country every week. Today is January 16th, 2020. I'm Owen Michael. With me today is Emmy Award-winning journalist and television host Anna Garcia. Hello, Anna. Welcome. Hello, Owen. Happy to be here. Glad to see you again. Uh, what have you been up to lately? Um, recovering from the holidays, I think, like everybody else. Everybody else. Getting ready for the new year. That's which, true. Oh, my gosh. It is the new year. It is the new year. Happy New Year to all. Today is uh, January 16th, as we say. Um, I feel like it's still like uh, the first week of real business. For our cases this week, we have a Florida edition. A Florida girl is making headlines after she took matters into her own hands and installed a security camera to record her father allegedly abusing her and the family dog. But first, uh, a Connecticut businessman is arrested in the Orlando area in a case of alleged f insurance fraud and family murder. This is the uh, case of Anthony Todd, 44 years old. It's a man who ran a physical therapy business in Colchester, Connecticut, a town about 25 miles southeast of Hartford. Um, this is a Connecticut guy. He, and his, he moved his family down to Celebration, Florida, just outside of Orlando, uh, he he stayed running his business in Colchester and commuted to Celebration. He worked Monday through Friday, travel on the weekends to be with the family. Celebration, Florida. Have you ever been there? I haven't. It's it's near you know Orlando Disneyland that that exactly, whole area exactly to southeast. It's a beautiful development. In fact, the house that they were in is the kind that you have a beautiful big porch and, and a nice wraparound porch. So they were really living the life. If you can imagine, most people cannot afford to have two homes and fly back and forth between truly the Northeast and and Florida. Truly, and uh, Celebration itself is sort of a planned community, and uh, I believe uh, Disney, well, Disney Company itself uh, uh, developed it, and I think it was established in 1994. Um, so yeah, very picture perfect kind of um, uh, you know Florida suburban planned community type of place. Um, but this, this whole story, if you look at the family, you know, on the outside, they looked very wealthy. They looked like they had it all. Mm -hmm. Beautiful husband, wife, 
perfect kids, the dog, two homes, successful businesses. Both of them were physical therapists. Mm -hmm. So on the outside, everything looked fantastic. But on the inside, it was crumbling. Well, exactly. Uh, As you say, commuting from Connecticut in the winter to Florida uh, back and forth is, uh, you know, a lot of people would would like that. But uh, as we can see here, there were some issues going on uh, behind the scenes here. On uh, December 29th, 2019, just a couple of weeks ago, an out-of-state family member uh, related to Tony Todd requested police do a welfare check on the family, said that uh, they had all, that Tony had told the family member that the, all of the family members had the flu. And, and couldn't been, talk. Right? And couldn't talk, couldn't come to the phone, couldn't, uh, couldn't communicate. They hadn't heard from them in about two days. So deputies respond. They checked outside the home and the surrounding area. This is the in the celebration Florida area. Saw nothing suspicious. Nobody answered the door. Curtains are drawn. Blinds are down. Uh, so they didn't make any contact. They didn't talk to anybody. Left. Oh, no issues there. Uh, as well, the family's known to travel frequently. As you say, it seems like there was some sort of a uh, bit of affluence here. Obviously, um, if you're traveling frequently, you can commute to homes, doing okay for yourself. Uh, as a family said it's not uncommon that these people would sort of pick up and go someplace that traveled all the time kids themselves were homeschooled so there's that on january 9th 2020 federal agents contacted police about an investigation of tony todd uh deputies attempted to contact the family and they searched an area again nothing suspicious no neighbor reports of the suspicious activity around the celebration home there was no odor uh, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, and as well as this federal investigation, never a good sign when federal agents are contacting your local police uh, to check up on you. And this week, January 13th, on Monday, deputies and agents went to the home to serve Tony Todd a warrant. For uh, his arrest. For his arrest, exactly. Because he and his businesses have been under investigation by federal authorities. They are alleging that he was running a... Uh, a fake billing scheme involving both Medicaid and private insurance companies where he was billing for physical therapy sessions that had never taken place. And the feds had been watching him for a long time. Mm -hmm. In fact, the, he had gone so far with this alleged billing scheme that he was even billing customers or patients that were no longer going. Mm -hmm. In fact, The cops did an incredible surveillance here. They were watching. He had two physical therapy businesses. Mm -hmm. So they did a surveillance for a full day. And the business happened to have been closed on the day that the authorities were watching both businesses. Yet he filed 16 claims for 16 patients who never walked in the door. Mm -hmm. So they had him. Mm -hmm. They had him in addition to the other alleged fraudulent billing. Yeah. So this is all going on behind the scenes. In fact, his his own physical therapy license had already expired and there was a sign on the door. It had been closed like since Thanksgiving. So all this is going on behind the scenes. But the folks in Florida who are getting ready for the holidays, Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and Christmas, they have no idea what's going on with this family. Right. And he's uh, he seems to be sort of juggling a lot of different things here because he's also accused of uh, sort of. uh, getting short-term loans and, and paying off one to get the other and, and doing some financial shenanigans to kind of stay ahead. Well, he was living beyond his means. Exactly. Everything was collapsing around him. That's the background mm-hmm. when when the officers knock on the door to arrest him on the fraudulent billing scheme. Exactly. Uh, but this turns into a whole other crime when they get there. 
So the fraudulent, the, the Fed said he'd fraudulently build tens of thousands of dollars worth of therapy appointments that never actually took place, as you said, and double build some uh, some walk-ins and then other stuff that just completely phantom uh, reports. Um, so the deputies went to the home to serve this uh, this warrant. They found four bodies inside the house. Uh, it's unclear how they um, whether they broke in or or, or had somebody unlock. They the said they or did well when they they knocked on the door to serve the search warrant. Mm-hmm. Well, excuse me, the arrest warrant. Right. So they also while they were there, you're arresting someone. You always want to know: Are there guns in the house? Sure. Is there anybody else in the house? Is anybody going to charge me? It's standard. So they took a, a look around the house. And that's when they find his entire family dead, including the family dog Breezy. It's tragic. And they said the victims had been likely dead since the end of December. For two so, they, so this weeks. is two weeks that they that they that they speculate that they've been there. If if you do, if you back time it, it probably would have been around New Year's Eve, somewhere around that date. If the two weeks, just looking on the mm-hmm. calendar, mm-hmm. so he was living in the house with his entire family dead. It's horrifying. Uh, no, the police haven't. Uh, authorities haven't. First, they haven't released details on the conditions of the of of the bodies or or what was going on inside the house, but uh, it's it's horrible. Well, they have not about. released the the manner of death. We don't how know how they, they were, were dead. Uh, we don't know how they were killed. Uh, they also haven't confirmed the uh, identities, but investigators are, are certain yes. that it's obviously them. This is his wife Megan Todd. She was forty two. Alex Todd was thirteen years old. Tyler Todd was eleven, and Zoe Todd was forty years old. And the family dog, of course, Breezy. Um, uh, just awful, just uh, tragic. Um, police arrest Tony Todd on the spot. He reportedly took uh, allergy pills. He's, he reportedly took a bunch of Benadryl and made uh, comments about self-harm. So uh, tried to take his life. Whether that's uh, yeah, an effective way to do it, it's not for me to say. They hospitalized him as a precaution. Mm-hmm. He was released this week on Wednesday. Um, they say that he's cooperating in the, he confessed. In the, in that's the homicide what the investigation. Say. He confessed to killing the wife, three kids. Um, they're investigating as a homicide. Uh, he's charged with multiple counts of homicide and one count of felony animal, animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the onion is peeled. There's uh, layers happening here. The family was apparently being evicted from the celebration house. It's unclear whether the family knew it, but by all indications, uh, it's he's carrying all this information. They didn't know anything about it. Um, they apparently had $5,000 in back rent. Uh, they got an eviction notice on December 26, 2019. Uh, they had signed a year lease on the house in May 2019, according to NBC Connecticut. Uh, Tony had missed the December payment of four thousand um, dollars. As far as the feds go, that was the, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that were investigating this alleged health fraud scheme, the physical therapy business. He, it seems he was doing two companies out of here, and maybe there was some uh, shadiness out of there. One was called uh, they were they. Connecticut Attorney General William Tong confirms there was a false claims act uh, investigation into Todd. And he had he had something like 20 high interest rate loans because apparently what he was doing, he the reports are at least the published reports are that he was so in over his head and and was drowning, didn't have enough money that the overbilling and the and the fake billing was to help pay for the loans that were due, but he Mm -hmm. needed the loans to keep the business afloat, to pay for the two homes. And he had judgments against him. Creditors were after him. 
I've seen different figures between $500,000 that he owed or mm-hmm. more. The bottom line is he, he was, he was sinking. Yeah, uh, definitely moving a lot of stuff around and trying to stay ahead of this thing. I mean, even just in, in 2017 alone, Todd had, uh, he transferred ninety nine more than ninety nine thousand dollars in repayments to eight different companies. Um, the FBI was involved in the in the fraud scheme. There was at least one hundred thirty thousand dollars in fraudulent bills in that. Um, he so as far as back in November when the, the feds were investigating him, uh, he told federal agents basically, you know, look, I I need a lawyer. Give me a couple of days. They had interviewed him. They gave him a grace period. Said uh, he needed to contact an attorney. He said he'd come back to Connecticut on December eighth. He didn't. They contacted him a couple of days before that. He said he was still working on uh, on on hiring a lawyer allegedly. Um, and again, so this the physical therapy license had been suspended, as you say. He was doing a thing called family physical therapy, and then performance edge sports was apparently also uh, in the same. It was the same business. This was sort of an also known as type of thing, um, which is the target of the the claim there. Um, all kinds of shady stuff, and you know you hear a lot about Medicare fraud and and, and healthcare fraud and that kind of thing in Florida. Uh, it's, I've covered some of those cases in Florida, actually. Indeed, Medicaid fraud. Uh, it's 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 a it's a big thing. Obviously, it's a retirement state. It's got a disproportionately um, a population of uh, older folks, so it's rampant there. Um, this is out of Connecticut, obviously. Uh, as far as the motivation, though, we don't know why you would allegedly do something like this. No, but if you look at the circumstances of what was going on in his life, mm-hmm. one can assume that he was feeling desperate. Indeed. Because he was about his he was losing his businesses, he was losing his house, he owed a fortune. The federal government is investigating him and chances are you know, yeah, they were going to get a conviction yeah. on him. Yeah. Yeah, they they certainly had a lot of evidence against him. Let's put it that way. So everything's coming in around him. He knows that. And and the question is, he has said in published reports, the police have said that he claims his wife, who was also a physical therapist, did not know about the alleged billing scheme. Mm-hmm. And that's very possible, especially if she was spending most of her time in Florida with the kids, not involved anymore. Right. She may not have done the paperwork. We have no idea. And she's dead now, so she can't tell us. Right. Um, you know what this brought to mind is uh, just after the recession, uh, post-2009, when you know we're going through a pretty tough uh, situation, I remember several stories about a uh, head of household actually taking, I can think of at least two, and I don't have the names offhand, but uh, of head of household taking out the family as well, uh, murdering the family and himself. The same sort of thing. Uh, desperation, financial ruin, but somehow something's, something clicks and you think I, I, to save my family, I need to take everything or take everybody with me or I it, to avoid the shame or, or who knows what. I mean, obviously there's some pathology happening there too. Well, there um, has to be, there's something wrong here because first of all, killing your family, that yeah. that's an unbelievable thing. Yeah. Then to presumably be living in the house for two weeks with your dead family takes a level of. Yeah. Dis- I, dissociation. I, I can't imagine. even. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about him is you, you said peel the onion. There's also not only is there this financial and potential um, legal issues that he's dealing with and potentially having to go to prison for this fraud. But then there is this background 
Tony's own family background, which is incredible. Um, Go on. Well, so when he was four years old and they were living in Pennsylvania, um, he wakes up and he finds and he hears his mother screaming. He has heard a gunshot and he sees two men who he doesn't know in the family home. He, he remembers, this is all he remembers, according to published reports, one of the men or both of the men carry him back into bed. What happened was she, his mother, Tony's mother, had been shot in the face by these intruders. Maybe they were burglars. Uh, she was severely um, damaged by this. Um, disfigured, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, she lost her left eye, and the bullet supposedly was still lodged in her head. They couldn't get it out. Turns out the father was not home that night, was supposedly at school or something. He was working on another degree. Ultimately, a few months later, the father is charged with a uh, murder plot that he had hired someone, a former student of his, to shoot and kill his wife because he was having an affair with another woman and they were engaged. I don't know how you can be engaged when you're married to somebody else and was planning a wedding. In fact, on the night that she was assaulted in the family home, he was taking pictures with his lover and they had a pseudo wedding cake because they were planning their new life together while she's being shot in the face by someone he hired. All this ultimately comes out. He does. He gets convicted. But the sad thing is that in the very beginning, the mother, right? This is Tony's mother now. And Mm -hmm. he witnessed this insanity. Mm -hmm. She actually defended the husband and actually testified in his behalf, claiming he could have never done this. He could have never been behind this. And then finally, she realized what, you know, she finally realized what was going on. Mm -hmm. Also, the reports show that Because Tony was only four years old when this happened. He had nightmares. She stayed in the house. The mother and son stayed in the house for about a year or so. He had terrible nightmares. So ultimately, father goes to prison for trying to kill the mother. The mother is permanently disfigured. Mm -hmm. That's how Tony grew up. So now fast forward. That was something like 1980. It was March of 1980. Now fast forward to 2020. Are we really surprised to see him involved in the murder of his own family? I mean, no, we're not surprised because you see that happen a lot, but it is uh, unfortunate to think that you're doomed to sort of repeat, uh, you know, family traumas of, of this sort when it reaches this level. I mean, I can't imagine that level of, uh, of, of trauma and, and uh, disruption in your life, particularly right. at four years old. I mean, at 14, it would be bad enough for, or any age, obviously, but four, I mean, it's obviously something's clicking in your brain, formation and that kind of thing. Um, again, I would need a psychologist to sort of examine that as far as that goes, but boy, it does seem there's always something in the background that uh, can indicate, I shouldn't say indicate, but could lead to this. I mean, I wasn't aware of some of those details and it was definitely sort of repetitive. Um, there's some repeat details there. Repetitive that, uh, are, violence. Are, yeah. You know, just if we put the thing about this murder case, it's so important to understand everything that was going on. Because if you, again, look at his financial ruin, mm-hmm. he's facing the possibility of going to prison for his fake billing. He's losing the house. He's being evicted. The business is failing. 
and now go back and look at who this man was when he was four years old and the level of violence that he experienced right. is such a tragic story all around. To, uh, and whether you're even aware of it either, whether you're sort of programmed, uh, not to use a Manchurian candidate kind of thing, but you're sort of like this is imprinted on you at such an early age that this is what happens when you're a 48, 50-year-old man uh, or whatever the age is. This is what I witnessed my father do. This is what, not witnessed, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm uh, aware of this family pattern. And so subconsciously or not, uh, sort of patterning my own behavior after that. Obviously speculating, obviously more details will come out about this. Um, but it does boggle the mind. I don't, I don't know how any uh, rational sane person can sort of think, A, the, the entire murder the four-year-old, four-year-old daughter and the, and the dog and then living with the bodies, it's, uh, it's, it's truly disturbing. Um, we, of course, will have updates uh, on this story um, when we know more because I'm sure there will be lots of stuff to be revealed here. Uh, Absolutely. Really and if he has been confessing, yeah. I think then we'll know more. And once they're done with the autopsies, we'll, we'll have a better idea as to when they died, how they were killed— the whole thing is horrendous. We don't even know if they were all in one room yeah. or whether they were scattered around the house. We have no idea. You know, yeah. I, I, and you wouldn't want to imagine whether a gas leak or something something much more horrifying, whatever the case might be. But uh, he is confessing. He is cooperating. Uh, hopefully this is sort of uh, helping ease his own guilt to get all the details out there so they won't have to draw this out. And uh, I don't think there's any easing of his guilt. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. He took out his whole family. Yeah. Yeah. No sympathy here. I I, no sympathy for myself either. um, Obviously, but the context of, but the context of understanding what was going on in the family's life financially, and then understanding what he experienced as a child, Mm -hmm. I think does help us to put this whole tragedy a little bit more into context. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I'm saying. When you're that traumatized at that early of an age, that uh, uh, there might be a little bit more gray area there as far as your own rational decisions that you're making, yeah. if you want to call them rational, which Oof. I don't. Awful, uh, as, awful, as I awful say, story. Uh, we will, of course, update that story. And um, we've got another Florida story here. Apologies We're staying to, to Florida. In Florida. It's, as I said, it's a Florida edition. Not at all. Uh, we are staying in Florida and, um, you know, there's no shortage of cases in Florida. Uh, our apologies to Florida, but uh, you know, they, they do have a lot of cases that are worth discussing and analyzing. In the this United next States. one is also horrific, but I find it, inspiring. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of hope in it, especially for anyone who's listening who may be a victim of physical or sexual abuse and feels powerless because no one believes them or no one will hear them. This is the story of a 14-year-old girl in Destin, Florida, who was being abused by her father, badly abused. He would yell at her and beat her and and she had complained Um, She was a product of divorce, and there was a custody battle that had been going on for years. The father had custody. The mother did not. She had even told her mother about the abuse, and the mother also apparently had tried very hard to get help Mm -hmm. for her daughter and to get her out of this situation. So this 14-year-old girl, who of course has not been named because she's a minor, Mm -hmm. takes it upon herself to get 
two cameras. You know, the kind of cameras you put up around the house. I believe they were Nest was the brand. Nest, yes. Um, She gets them. She puts them up in her room and she starts recording and getting evidence about how her father has been treating her. So this to me is brilliant and horrible at the same time. Her father, 47-year-old Damon Becknell, a very prominent, wealthy businessman in the area of Destin, Florida. If you are, I used to work down there in Pensacola and Destin, Florida. Mm-hmm. I was a reporter at WEAR. Mm-hmm. So I'm familiar with the area. And I would describe Destin as an idyllic beach community. It has some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. It has a lot of development, like condos, because mm-hmm. a lot of tourists go beach down there. stuff, yeah. Um, but it's very much a small southern town. It's it's near the border of Alabama. So the approach to life and manners, if you will, is very small town southern. Mm-hmm. So keep that in your mind as we describe what she's been through and we can put that into context. So she she had two cameras going and she captured her father coming into her bedroom and just yelling at her, headbutting her, hitting her, throwing her on the bed. Her head hits the frame of the bed. Her head hits the wall. You can hear the thumping. Mm-hmm. She had two family. They have a you know two dogs mm-hmm. in the family. The two dogs were also on her bed. He takes out what we think is a knife. He grabs the dogs. You can hear him threatening to kill the dogs and and gouge out one of their eyes. And then he yanks the dog by the neck. And she's screaming to get him to stop it. She's trying to save her her dogs, her animals, her babies from this madman. Uh, If if you look at the video, you would call him a madman. So then she's smart enough to then get the tapes to the police. She goes to the police and she tells them again, my father has been beating me and this time I've got the tapes to prove it mm-hmm. and they arrest him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true. Uh, the the Destin Log newspaper said, uh, according to the mom, she had, uh, quotes, escaped Damon's house, this is a Damon Becknell, while he was asleep and walked miles to Walmart in Destin, purchased a burner phone, and then called her babysitter to uh, take care of business. Very resourceful uh, gal here who was uh, thinking ahead and had figured out, i got to take matters in my own hands as far as installing the cameras as well as I'm going to save myself and and go take care of business around here. Uh, the mother says uh, th- he was likely drunk at the time. Um, there's been a, a history, as you said, it's been a custody battle for a long time. For a long time. And uh, a- according to one of the newspapers down in Destin, Florida, they claim that uh, there have been a lot of allegations of abuse before. Mm-hmm. And they also claim that it fell on deaf ears. What proof we will have of were police reports taken, not taken? Mm-hmm. I-, I don't see why we would not believe that she was seeking help without question. If you just, when you're looking at the videotapes and they went viral, they're so disturbing. You, he he is so, oh my God, he's so violent in everything that he says, does, his mannerisms. It's tyrannical. It, yeah. Yes. And it's, it's, it's traumatic to watch. So can you imagine if you're a 14-year-old girl and how long, how many years yeah, this has been going on? Absolutely. And she's been trying to get help and no one's been able to help her? Even more so that she uh, 
did not sort of, you know, be beaten down as far as she handled it uh, right. so far. Anyway. She could have just completely shut just down. collapsed, shut exactly. down and not have tried she to fight for She sounds a little defiant in a, in a good way here. Um, at one point, he says that he won't be disrespected in his own house. Yes. So it's sort of like he's the victim and he's the, you know, I have to put you in your place. But, you know, this is a common thing about domestic abusers. violence and yes. domestic abusers, you know, sort of projecting the stuff and demanding respect and whatever. And that may indicate something about how he feels about uh, life in general. But uh, obviously, that's uh, some speculation on my part. But as you said, he he's a businessman, is reported a, a managing partner of 26 businesses. Uh, as you say, it's a small town, uh, small area there. So he's very he's prominent. pretty high up on the on the pyramid there, as far as this stuff goes. And his father is also a developer in the area. Yeah. So you have generations money. of a family that's very prominent. And look, this is just my opinion, but having lived and worked down there, I can tell you that if you have a very prominent family mm-hmm. that that probably does all sorts of great fundraising for the police and the sheriff's department. I'm not saying that he did in this case, but if you have a prominent family, this is a small town and it's a good old boy kind of network. Again, my opinion from my observations of having lived and worked there, I am not surprised that someone that prominent, others would have looked the other way Mm -hmm. because of who he was. In fact, to the point that the Destin Log newspaper reports that this case in particular has been passed through the hands of five Okaloosa Circuit Court judges since the mother filed for a protective order, and four of the judges have recused themselves because they either know his family or the mother's family. She also comes from a prominent family. What does that tell you? Four judges recused themselves since January 2nd, which is when she, that's two, basically two weeks ago since she filed this thing. That's already like you're making the circuit there as far as uh, how many judges are left. They're not that many there. Exactly. It's not that big. So what does that At tell you? At least they you? recuse themselves, I should say. That's a, that's. It seems like a, kind of an issue in headlines these days, but uh, that is the right thing to do when you have a, a personal connection or, you know, you may be conflicted in one way or the other. At least they recuse themselves. But how telling is that? If four of the judges had to recuse themselves, mm-hmm. that's how well connected right. this family is. Exactly. And and the other problem is, I believe his bail was set at $4,000. Pretty low. And the community is absolutely furious. Mm-hmm. That he walked on $4,000? What kind of justice is that? Look at the video. Of course, you know, presumed innocent until he's had his day in court. But I'm sorry. I'm looking at a video. I'm looking at it. I'm hearing it. This is... What what could justify this kind of behavior, you know, no matter what? Nothing. And and obviously nothing can. Um, And to this point, with all all of this being said, the daughter knows it as well as anybody, better than anybody. She knows... The only way I'm going to make this to get some, I need to get this on camera. I need some, some evidence to say, you can't look away. You can't say, oh, it's just some stuff going on in the house. So, you know, it's, he said, he said, she said, she had the good presence of mind to actually and, get this down on tape. And to show you how screwy the system is down there, that when he gets arrested, of course, she's a minor. So she's got to go somewhere. And because he has custody of her, he tells the authorities that she sh- she and the dogs should go to his friend's house and that they will take care of her. And I realize that the mother doesn't have custody, but what about the mother? And what about other relatives? Who is this man to now decide what's going to be a safe environment right. for her? 
Right. You get some small town uh, intrigue happening there as well. Uh, uh, the girl's mother, she'd filed this protective order on behalf of the daughter uh, directly after this happened. Um, she alleges that uh, Becknell's drunk during the incident, as I said. But she also uh, alleges that Becknell's lawyer had warned the 14-year-old girl over the phone uh, not to say anything about the event uh, publicly uh, because, quote, she'll end up in foster care, according to the Destin law. Yeah, really? So you've got... The your dad's lawyer threatening you with going to foster care over the phone. You talk about witness intimidation and 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 you know the whole thing. It's How like, cruel is that? She's a goodness. victim here. She's fourteen years old. And again, you're threatening foster care. Mom is right down this. You know, right down on the other side of town. Um, it kind of speaks to some of the privilege there that uh, that the, you know they they think that these guys obviously thought that they could sort of intimidate this gal. Again, this is details are still coming out. We're speculating on some of the um, the background stuff here, but uh, I think that the lines are pretty clear on what's been happening here. And again, I applaud her for having the strength to do this. Does. And I hope that others who are in the same situation will see a light at the end of the tunnel because of what she's done. That there there can be help out there. What I think is so sad is that we don't always believe the victims. I, I, you know, I hope, I hope that as this decade sort of progresses, that that's changing. It seems like the trends are, are going that way. Domestic violence awareness and that kind of thing um, is becoming a little bit more uh, widely known. Uh, in particular, Becknell, he reportedly has a history of domestic violence incidents, according to reports and according to the, 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 the wife. Destin Log reports he had drug, he's had drug and alcohol problems and a history of mental health issues. Uh, sounds like some anger stuff, uh, according to this. Also owns more than 20 guns. So not making a judgment here mm-hmm. or there, but uh, this is obviously a thing that comes up again and again, domestic violence and guns in the home and you know, statistics as far as that goes. A lot of guns, but it's a southern town. It's Florida. It's not, uh, not out of the ordinary. No, not, there. not unusual at all. Not um, in Florida. Not that part of Florida, for sure. Again, with the with the, the judge situation, too, the same judge is going to be presiding in the protective order case that's also hearing the child abuse case. Why? Because so, there are no judges left, apparently, right? <laughs> apparently so. So I, that even seems, I, I guess that could go either way because if the judge is familiar with the details in one case, they might be fluent in, in both of the issues here. But, uh, uh, you know, as far as the blind justice or whatever, it seems like maybe there should be. Well, the good thing is that now there's a huge spotlight. Everyone in town knows what's going on. It's going to be a lot harder to do a backroom deal here. Yeah, the the the, the profile of this, I mean, we're, <clears throat> we're talking about this nationally ourselves, but, uh, you know, this had made headlines as soon as it happened. And on True Crime Daily, uh, social media, et cetera, it's basically gone through the roof. I mean, a lot of people are responding to this stuff, and they're all uh, basically supportive of this girl and uh, what she had to do, what she went through, how brave she was to to, to survive this, and yeah, it. I, I'm really curious uh, for our listeners and our viewers on YouTube. I I I can't wait to hear their comments and read their comments on this. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yes, and uh, of course, as I say, you can go to TrueCrimeDaily.com. We'll have uh, updates on this because uh, we want to know more, and there's certainly are are bound to be developments uh, as this case. Uh, you know, the, the, the high profile nature of this, uh, you have to think that the, that's got to, the judge has to have to take some of this stuff into consideration. I mean, I wouldn't think that it would, ch- it would change dur- jurisdiction because it's not quite that level, but um, definitely the scrutiny has got to be. Everyone's watching that. and yeah. that's good. 
indeed. Yes, again, we'll have updates, truecrimedaily.com. Uh, let's talk about some comments. Speaking of which, we've got the, the, the social media presence of True Crime Daily, and we get comments every week. I love that. Uh, this story, you can check out uh, this one. We've got some comments on Facebook about uh, police arrested a man and a woman who they say left a bicycle unattended in the front yard of their home. This is in California. Uh, then they attacked would-be thieves who tried to steal with, uh, they attacked them with baseball bats. And then they posted the videos of the assaults. So it was a setup. Uh, yeah, it's a setup. I'm, I'm trying to get people to, uh, take my, my bait bicycle out here. And then when somebody goes for it, go out and attack them with a bat and then put it on YouTube. I mean, haha, sounds kind hilarious. of sick. Um, yes. So they're arrested, uh, th- this man and the woman. Uh, Mimi L says, I want to laugh so badly. This is the epitome of the word entrapment, which indeed that is entrapment. Although I'm not sure that, uh, in, outside the law enforcement, uh, situation that you can that be that charged with entra- entrapment, but it's certainly a setup and it's certainly, um, uh, especially if you've got video evidence that you've put out there, uh, online, that's not the most intelligent thing to do. Patty J says nothing else to do. They are worse than the people who steal. They should be locked up. And to put this online, you both suck big time. Food for thought. Leonard W. says, nobody should be stealing someone else's stuff. If I'm in the jury, my verdict will be not guilty. That's interesting. Leonard takes the, uh, takes the point of... Uh, well, okay, let's look at the flip justi- side. And justify the means. Which is kind of where Leonard is coming from, I think. Let's look at the flip side. What we don't know, and I'm not justifying this, sure. is what we don't know is, have they been victims of crimes Right. Multiple times. Right. Have their things been stolen multiple times? Is it possible they've lost a bunch of bicycles that have been stolen? Did they finally get fed up and say, you know what? That's it. That's it. This stops today. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to catch the next person and I'm going to put it online. I'm not only going to shame you, but as I'm going to help as the a police. Deterrent. Uh, as a exactly. deterrent as well, but yeah, exactly. So sort we don't know that video evidence here. Speaking of the previous case, if you're thinking that uh, I'm going to catch these people on the thing, and then maybe afterwards they went out and beat the hell out of them or, or whatever. Obviously, it's a lot of speculation, but uh, it is. It is. But it, it's like looking at it. You know, again, one of one of our our, our viewers or mm-hmm. our readers is bringing up another way of looking at it. Absolutely. So while I, you know, at first at first blush, I said, "Oh my God, yeah. what." They did this. Did they do this just for the thrill for YouTube or did they do this because they've been victims of crime and they're sick and tired of it yeah. and they're going to do something about We're it? We're always trying to take uh, various angles. So, uh, Leonard, thank you for that comment uh, as well. Uh, this next one, we've got a Kansas man in Iowa. He's asked an Iowa judge to let him engage in a sword fight. Oh, a sword fight, a duel, if you will, <laughs> with his ex-wife and her attorney so that he can, quotes, rend their souls from their bodies. Yes. Uh, a flair for the dramatic here. Very dramatic. David Ostrom. Swashbuckler. Uh, the, the, the judge had the power to let the parties, quotes, resolve our disputes on the field of battle legally, according to David Ostrom. Uh, he's also asked the judge for 12 weeks' time so he could secure Japanese samurai swords because <laughs> you want to have the right... You need the right here tools. For if you're gonna if you're gonna duel, although if I challenge you to a duel, I'm pre- isn't the the tradition that the you would get to select the weapons. I'm obviously uh, taking this a little too seriously because I think even uh, this guy is not really expecting that. But hey, he wanted to rend their souls from their bodies. It's a it's a it's a ex-wife and attorney feelings running hot. I can. Do you see think the, he's a little mad? It sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah. rending their souls. I mean, it's one thing to sort of right. uh, make a vague threats, but boy, that's uh, that's pretty profound. Uh, Sean de M sounds says uh, he sounds like he wants an insanity plea. <laughs> uh, he, again, he's not on trial, but uh, that's uh, that's that's a good point. Chris S says lots of men and women would love to sword fight their exes. Oh, I agree. Uh, I agree with Chris S on that one. There's a lot of ill will uh, back and forth, but uh, swords. Uh, you know, don't don't uh, don't threaten people and don't do don't do crimes against them. Uh, Brandy A says, "Leave the guy alone." We live in Kansas. Nothing exciting ever happens here. I say, let them let them let the man have his sword fight, and we'll sell tickets. Again, it's Kansas, Iowa. It's the Midwest. You don't have as many racy stories like this out of the Midwest. Oh, I don't know. Um, I've covered a few incredible crimes there. <laughs> I mean, on this show as well. But uh, as far as uh, you know sword fights in the streets or anything like that. No, that is not typical anywhere, I would say, a sword fight anywhere in the United States. And, and I, no word on, you know, he's got the backwards cap here. There's a little bit of a, you know, maybe he's a fencer. Maybe that's where his mind immediately went. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, when that's I was in college, I used to fence. Is that right? I fenced. And in, I was horrible. <laughs> I fenced in, in camp when I was a kid. That was one of the activities. And uh, yeah, I, I just remember there were three different swords and the thing and whatever, but it's it's quite the art, I oh, guess. Oh, very much so, yeah. But, well, I um, never made the team. I was dreadful and okay. I just knew it. I gave it up after the first year. I we, said, this is ridiculous. We see it every four years in like the Olympics and things like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, it is beautiful and it's, it's really tough. Yeah, it, it's kind of arcane, though. I mean, it's definitely not uh, one of those mm-hmm. uh, current yes. sports. But uh, so, so don't tick me off there, Owen. I wouldn't. I, but now you, that I know you that, need you, to that tell you me fenced anyway. in camp, we could actually have a the muscle memories there, <laughs> decades and decades ago. <laughs> but uh, I would never in the first place, of course. Uh, and this last one, we've got uh, got a bank robber, bank robbery suspect here. FBI always gives uh, cute nicknames to they um, do. bank robbers. I want that job, naming the, the bank robber. Exactly. Well, this one is the bad wig bandit. And for our listeners who Uh-oh. can't see this, uh, you'll have to – we have a suspect that captured bad, uh, several times. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at the wigs, though, the, and they're the not wig, that bad. The, the wig game is not actually bad. They they, they call them bad wigs, but uh, they – I, I'm kind I would of wear one of them, and, maybe two. And if I was – if one of these, if one of these people came to my my booth or my counter, and I was a teller, I wouldn't necessarily know right off the bat that there was a wig. Although, you know, no, I wouldn't. Maybe, yeah. you, know, uh, you should go to truecrimedaily.com or go to our Facebook page and you can check Vote it out visually wigs. yourself. But uh, <laughs> again, they're looking for the bad wig. The FBI is looking for the bad wig bandit, bank robbery suspect on the loose in North Carolina. Carol S says he's going to get caught. That's for sure. Bad big ba- bad. Wig bandit is hilarious, though. Uh, he might get caught. It's bank robberies. Bank robbers don't usually get along, get away with it for very long, and they seem to be repeat criminals. And I, I'm just impressed that anybody still robbing banks, banks in 2020. I mean, have you been in a bank lately? There's I, barely I mean, anybody in there. North Carolina. Well, that and I mean, California is obviously one of, or used to be one of the uh, the Southern California used to be. Uh, or the bank robbery capital of the world. Yes, that's true. The freeways and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, you go to a bank here, and there's like, you know, security doors to, and there's vestibules, and there's uh, all the stuff. It depends on where you go. On the corners here, it's different than Orange County or whatever. Anyway, the chances of how many movies are there about bank robberies, and uh, you know, it's really hard to get away with it. Don't do bank robberies. Rebecca K says thought they were three criminals. So apparently, Rebecca K was uh, was was fooled uh, by this, uh, not fooled in a good way. Uh, Steffi L says, this looks like half the chicks walking around my neighborhood. He's definitely getting away with this. So when we know more, we will update this. I'm going to put a dollar on it that, uh, I'm going to say that 
this person will get caught and then a whole dollar they'll they'll i shouldn't wager no online uh and i'm curious as to, to where he got the wigs that'll be the story You know what? That actually could be the way that he gets caught wherever he's going to buy the wigs or if he's borrowing the wigs. Right. Somebody can tip it off. Someone will tip it off. I mean, you don't come across wigs very often. And I mean, who am I to say? I wouldn't know. In Los Angeles, Owen, everybody's got wigs and extensions. Not in North Carolina. I mean, extensions and and that kind of thing. And I suppose the wigs, (laughs) you know, I guess it's, it's, it's possible. But as, as you say, Someone somewhere has got to notice that uh, these wigs are. Exactly. I think I that's. I recognize that wig. I think that's how he's going to get caught. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tune in to uh, True Crime Daily. Check us out. Uh, on Wigcast. And, and, uh, web. <laughs> on Wigcast. Right. Well, exactly. On the wig beat. <laughs> so that is our show for this week. Uh, thank you, Anna Garcia, for being here this week again. Thank you. Uh, we'll include some contact details in our YouTube and online. You can always find me at, at Anna G News on all social media, and that's Anna with one N. Got it. And a side programming note, of course, uh, Anna, you're going to be taking over the True Crime Daily podcast in a, in a matter of weeks. Taking over? It. No, I think I'll just be hanging around more. That will be a, a pleasant uh, addition. <laughs> we're, we're very glad for that. I'll be taking kind of a backseat, but we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure many of our YouTube followers will be very happy. I have some fans that are uh, big fans of my particular halting uh, style. That uh, they won't miss me so much, but no. we'll see about that. Oh, that's so funny. Um, in well, the meantime, you're, you're still going to be with us. Yes, indeed. I will still be. Don't uh, scare uh, people. I'll still be calling in. And I'll still be uh, doing research and writing and things like you're that. You're still but part of the team. Don't exactly. You want, you're, you're not rid of you're not rid of me by no. any, by any means. Uh, in the meantime, as always, find our content on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and on YouTube, and get updates and subscribe to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. Until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you, don't do crimes. You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University, Maryland's forensic science programs today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.